Hey there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Arise with Amber. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. However you got here to this little section of the internet podcast world, I'm glad that you're here. Thank you for being here. On Arise, we talk about all things from parenting to marriage to life and love and loss and joy and grief and hope and suffering and everything in between. But occasionally I like to answer your questions. So I will usually field questions from my socials and then I'll just kind of gather some together. And it just allows me to kind of have a conversation with you like I would have with a friend. If you brought me a question and we were just sitting together over a cup of coffee, you could say, hey, can I ask you about this? Or what do you think about this? And I won't always be right, um, in your opinion, maybe, but I try to do and answer these questions from a biblical point of view with an eternal lens. So that's where I like to go with these questions. So I'm going to pray and then we'll get started. God, thank you for the gift of another day to walk with you in this beautiful thing that we call life. God, I just, I thank you for the opportunity for us to be able to gather this way um, online through these channels that you allow us to gather, even though some people may be across the globe, we're able to sit and we're able to gather and we're able to listen and we're able to share your word and we're able to talk about scripture and to talk about the good news of your son, Jesus. So I am, I am grateful that you have opened up these avenues for us to connect all throughout the world. And God, I just pray today that you draw us deeper in relationship with you, God, and that you just help us. God, help us to be bold in our faith. Help us to walk with confidence in what you have already done, what you are doing, and what you will do. God, I, I praise you for, for your son and the sacrifice that you gave for your children. And I just pray that you open eyes, ears, and hearts, even today as we just answer questions, God. I pray that something that I say will plant a seed and point people directly to you. We thank you for your word. It's alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. We love you. We worship you today and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I like to always start these questions with just kind of some some lighter questions first. So the first one I got is, what is something that each of your kids are good at? And gosh, so many things came to mind when I was thinking about things that my kids are good at. And London is great at volleyball. She loves volleyball. She is exceptional at organizing. She has this knack for just putting things in all the right places, organizing in such a beautiful, specific, color-coded way. Um, she's great at making slime. She's really, she's really back into making slime right now. Um, she's a wonderful writer. She is a very descriptive visual writer, just like her dad. And even at such a young age, she writes just pages and pages of beautiful stories that I always love to go back and read. She's also a really good artist. She can just put something beside her and just not trace it, but just go off of looking at it. And um, I, I always love watching her to, I always love watching her draw and I love listening and reading to her write. That didn't make sense. <laughs> I love listening and reading to her write. What did I just say? I love watching her draw and I love listening to her as she reads what she wrote. There we go. That makes sense. I have had a cup of coffee this morning. So, um, Lincoln is, he's great at football. He is 
pretty athletic. You know, I, I like to think that I'm athletic, but I am not. He, he gets that from his dad. And he has very strong mental strength, just like his daddy. He has, he has heart. And whatever he's doing, he will go full on to the end, injured. He will, he will put a, a mask on his face. He will act like he's not hurt. And he will push through and push harder sometimes than I think he should. But that's most times what, what you need. In, in anything, in sports, in life, is you you, got, you have to have the middle strength to keep going through suffering, through adversity, and he has that. Um, they both have really great memories. They both are very good at remembering things that they have heard or read or seen. Um, River could drive anything at two years old. He would drive tractors and go-karts, and he had this amazing, amazing depth perception to where you know, most kids, when they drive a little ride on toy, would just run into a wall and kind of not know what to do. Well, River could always just take turns like a NASCAR driver. And he was always such a great dancer. I always loved to watch him dance. And he could always make people laugh. No matter if, if Lennon and Lincoln were fighting, he would always just come in and be the comedian. He could always make us laugh. Maverick is only one and a half, but he is such a little lover. He is just so good at spreading his love between every person. The other day we were in London's room and he was giving everybody hugs and kisses and he kissed me and hugged me, then kissed London, hugged London. Then he immediately remembered Bubba and had to run across the house all the way to go give him a hug and a kiss because he was sharing love with everybody else. Um, He is learning to count. He's learning his colors. He can count to 10 and um, he loves being outside, loves tractors, loves food. And, um, He's just a joy. He's just really funny, just like his brother, too. Okay, next question. Do you have any new merch coming? So I am working on a bunch of new stuff for you guys, but I just put a sale up today at arisewithamber.com. You can go to the shop section, and um, there's a bunch of stuff that's on sale. I've got T-shirts. I've got uh, crew necks. I've got hoodies. I've got bags. I've got River Kelly magnets. I've got You Are Chosen stickers and magnets. So you guys can head over there. I'm doing a 20% off sale uh, this week. So head over there, grab you something before I restock with some new stuff. Next question is, what Bible does London have? I'm looking for a new one for my 10-year-old niece. So London is 11 and she is reading just the standard ESV version. It's not a study Bible. It's not a teen Bible. It's not a Bible for kids. It's just straight the word. And she started doing the McShane plan with us a couple months ago, and she stuck with it. I am really just, I'm really just in shock that she's, you know, she's 11 years old. She gets up. She reads it every day. She gets upset when she doesn't have her Bible. She actually left it at a friend of mine's last week, and she was like, I'm five days behind. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm five days behind. So my friend mailed it to her and she's completely caught up now. And she doesn't always understand everything, but she's reading it with the eyes of a child, which is what we're supposed to do. She has faith like a child. And the other day she came out and <laughs> she said, mom, have you read Timothy? And I said, yes. She said, are you caught up? And I said, no, I'm a couple days behind. And she just always says, I can't wait to meet Paul. I just cannot wait to meet Paul when I get to heaven. And she will say, okay, mom, I have a scripture for so-and-so. I know that they're going through this, so I have a scripture for them. And she just, I don't know. I didn't have this at 11 years old. I opened up the Bible at 30 and didn't understand. But it's its resonating with her. And 
I just pray every night God continue to draw her in. Thank you. Thank you for opening up her eyes at such a young age. And I know she'll grow in maturity. Of course, she's 11. And she'll, she'll, she'll read things again, maybe next year, that she didn't understand. And she'll understand it a little bit more. So all that to say, sorry, I kind of went off track there. She's just reading the standard ESV version. But there are many good kids' Bibles. There's many good teen Bibles that have study notes or commentary or pictures. Um, ESV is pretty close to word for word. Um, CSB is good as well. NIV, there's there's many great versions. I wouldn't give your 10-year-old the, the King James just because the, the, the language is a little different. Not the words, but just the way that they spoke. So I would say an ESV or a CSB or an NIV um, could be good for her. You can search those on Amazon. You can go to any Christian bookstore. Um, yeah, so hope that helps. Um, and, and then, you know, read it with her. Read it with your niece or have somebody else read it with her. And then she can come and ask questions about what she may or may not understand. Next question says, I'm looking for a local church. What are some things to look for? When you don't know where to start, what are some things to ask the pastor? So the main thing you want in a church is you want a church that that makes Jesus's name known. You want a gospel-centered church that guards and proclaims the truth of the Bible. And you want a church that not only cares for the sheep, the congregation, you want a church that cares for the community as well and also has outreach, you know, um, you want to know that you're going to be shepherded well in that church. You don't want to get lost. Um, and a lot of people go to church to get lost and they want to sit in the back, but you need to be a part of a body that you can do life with, that you can be in small groups with, that you can serve with, that you can walk with each other through the hard things. So you want to make sure that there's a way for you to connect with people there. You want a church that is loving and that accepts you as you are, but, but doesn't want to leave you stuck there. Because we are all sinners in need of a savior. A church is just pretty much a big hospital for everybody who is sick, who, who needs a savior. But it's not just there for us to all commiserate as we are as sinners. We're called to change and we're called to be transformed. So you want a church that, that preaches the word, that stands on the firm word of God, and that calls you to be different, that calls you to be changed, that calls you to be transformed. You can read uh, many churches' statements of faith on their website, which is something that you would want to do if you're trying out different churches. Go to their website and don't base it off of what the website looks like, if it's beautiful or perfect or something, because some churches that are amazing have really simple websites and their statements of faith. You can read their statements of faith. You can learn about their pastors. You can learn about what they teach and what they believe, and you should compare those as you go. Then go and visit. Go and visit. Talk to the congregation. Talk to people in the area talk to the pastors, and then test what they are teaching against the Word of God, against Scripture. In order for you to test it, you have to be reading your Word. So make sure that you're reading your Bible. You want to be able to grow in grace and grow in knowledge and grow in wisdom and grow closer to God. But you want a church that, that teaches the truth of the Bible and guards it and proclaims it. You want um, to pray you want to you deeply pray about a church? Lord, lead me to a church. Lead me to a church that you would have me go to that, that tells the truth of who you are, the God of Scripture. Not the God of who the world thinks that you are, but the God of Scripture. Psalm 25.9 says, He leads the humble in what is right 
and teaches the humble his way. Just pray. Pray for God to, to guide you. Ask your friends. Like I said, ask around in the community. See where they go. And then try, try a couple of different churches out on Sundays and see what fits for your family. See, you know, what the, what the kid ministry is like, how your kids are going to be shepherded. It is a process and you may have to try out a few different churches, but if you're in prayer and if you're in your word, you're going to know whether or not that church is the right fit for you. So this leads me to my next question. The question is, when did God guide you to your new smaller church family? So we were a part of a church here for about five years and it was an amazing church. I loved, I loved our time there, but we felt led at the end of last year to go, I'm going to say go, um, and, and plant at a church here in the area at the end of last year. It's a smaller church. It was a, a new church plant that was just starting up. It had, been, it had been split from another church in the area. They came to our area and planted a brand new church. And so this was really hard for me at first. Um, I had been with with our church for five years. I'd made very deep relationships. We had River Celebration of Life here. Um, we had many amazing people who walked with us through some really hard things. I was involved in a sisters group. I had I had lots of lots of friends, and I grieved and I mourned as you do with anything that you spent five years of your lives, you know, investing in and people investing in you. So it was really hard for me. Um, when we decided to make the move and, and I'll say a lot of times in marriage, husband and wife are on the same page from the beginning, but many times they're not. And, and I will say that Granger felt led to go first and I had to yield and trust and submit to my husband, not in a way of, well, I'm just going to go because he wants to go. I really prayed about it and we really discussed it and through prayer and through talking with my husband and through visiting this other church, we knew that this was where God was leading us to go. And I like to think of it not as leaving that other church, but as going, as being sent out. Because our time at the previous church was wonderful and it was fulfilling and we learned and we grew. But then it, we felt like, okay, God is, is picking us up and then planting us here. We weren't leaving, but we were going. We were being sent out to be able to plant and hopefully get in at the ground up of this new church and be able to serve um, in a much bigger way here, starting a church from the ground up, being able to get in early, serve in the kids' ministry, help and and teach and disciple and and learn and grow. And so this was where we felt led to go, and it was in the, at the end of last year. And it's been wonderful. It's been wonderful, and and I truly believe God, you know, we have to live our lives with open hands, and we have to be faithful where we are at the time, but also know that God is always moving. God is always weaving things together, and at any time, you may feel a pull from the Spirit to be led somewhere else, to, to step out, to, to go and be discipled in a different location, or or to go and help serve somewhere else, so we have to live not just our, with our church family with open hands, with everything with open hands, because things are always changing. Things are always moving, and God is always moving, and we can't always see what he's doing. And like I said, I, mourn, I mourned leaving that church, but now I know looking back, this, was, this is where we're supposed to be right now. And so we pray, God, help me to be faithful, faithful with where I am right now, 
but then also, Lord, help me to trust with wherever you may be calling me to go next. So that's what we that's what we did. We we prayed. We were obedient. Um, we listened, and I trusted in my husband's decision. And then it all just came to fruition with our family, and it's been a really wonderful place for us to to meet new people, meet new families, and now grow in grace with them as we walk. I don't know what the Lord will do next. But we're just being obedient to wherever he is leading us. And that's what we're called to do is be available and be obedient and be faithfully in prayer and in our word. And if you're doing all of that, you will be in his will for your life, if that makes sense. I'm grateful for for my time at our previous church. And, and now I'm joyful and hopeful for where we are now. Just know that God is always working and God is always moving. And we need to be ready willing and obedient in every single season of life that we're in. And also grateful, grateful for where we were and where he is taking us. So next question says, advice on how to be a better parent and partner than my parents. This is all I've ever known and seen. So I love this question. One, because it means that you care enough to want to be the best parent or partner uh, for your husband or wife that you can be. And two, is you get to say, this stops or this starts with me. And I love that. If your parents weren't affectionate, you get to be affectionate with your children. If your parents were yellers or if you were abused, you don't have to treat your children that way. You get to say, this stops with me. This stops here. If you weren't raised in a Christian home, you get to pick up your Bible. You get to go to church. You get to say, this is how we do things in this house. In this house, we will serve the Lord. You get to be the change that you might have needed in your home growing up. You don't have to do things the way that they were always done just because that's the way that you were raised. You don't have to do that. You're an adult. You get to make a decision. You get to say, no, I'm doing it this way. I, that whatever, whatever happened, it stops or it starts with me. You get basically to start fresh with your family and you get to take hopefully everything that was good in your upbringing and in your parents' marriage and, and bring that into your new family, into your new immediate family. And then you get to leave whatever you felt was negative or bad or whatever you wanted to change. You get to change that for your family. And that's amazing. And I know I like to think most parents do the best that they can with what they have and what they know. I know I'm doing the best that I can with what I have and what I know, and I'm not perfect and I will make mistakes. And so I pray that probably already have made mistakes that my children will tell me about later, but I pray that they take whatever has been good in our family, whatever that they've seen that's good in mine and Granger's marriage, and that they, they, they instill that and they take that with them into their own marriage and into their own family. And then whatever they felt I didn't do right, or I could have done better, they get, they get the chance to do that again in their family. So parenting is hard. Parenting is hard. And and I think we really do the best that we can, but we're going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. And I pray that they have grace for me and Granger um, as I have grace for, for my parents doing the best that they can. But there are things, you know, that the certain ways that I was raised that I, I'm doing a little bit, I'm doing things a little bit differently in my family. And then I'm sure my kids will do things a little bit differently in their family. And that's what's awesome is that you get the chance to bring in the good leave out the bad, and start fresh with your family. You get to start fresh. You get to say, 
if there's generational curses of divorce or addiction or abuse or any of that stuff, you get to say, this stops here. We don't do things that way in this family. This is how you're going to be raised. This is how I'm going to love you. This is how our family is going to love and grow and, and be together. And we're going to serve. Hopefully, I'm going to, hopefully you're going to say, we're going to serve the Lord together. And oftentimes, you know, breaking generational curses and doing things a lot differently can be harder because it's kind of, an, it's kind of ingrained in you what you already know. So you kind of tend to take that with you. So it's, it's most, it's a lot of times harder to say, nope, that stops here. Or if you find yourself doing something that your parents have done just because that's how you were raised and it wasn't something that you really liked or enjoyed for you to say, nope, we're not doing that. Sometimes that can be harder, but in the long run is better for you to, to take the time to, to, to grow yourself in the knowledge and the wisdom of the Lord to help you know how to navigate your new family or how to, how to treat your spouse in your marriage. If you didn't have a good marriage to look up to, if your parents, you know, fought all the time or, or if you were a product of, of divorce, you get to draw near to God, read your Bible to see what God says about what a marriage should look like, what God says about how discipline should be handled, what God says about all of these things in the word. If you seek God above all else, if you're following him, he will guide you in ways to walk faithfully in your marriage and live out that faith for your children to see and just for your life in general. So just seek, seek the Lord above all else and pray a lot, pray a lot about how to be the best partner that you can for your, for your husband or your wife and how to be the best parent that you can for your children And just stay close to the Lord because if you stay close to the Lord and if you keep God the center of everything in your life, everything else will flow from that. And then you won't experience the so-called generational curses that have happened in your life because you get to say, we're doing things different. We're doing things different. This is how we're going to do things in my family. And then hopefully that will trickle down into your children and their children and their children. Okay. Next question, how do I grieve my living mother? I haven't talked to her in two years. First, I will say I don't know your situation or why you haven't talked to your mother in two years, but I would first ask, do you want to grieve her? Do you want to just grieve or do you want to change this? It doesn't have to be this way. You don't have to to go grieving your mother um, because you haven't talked to her in two years. I struggled for a long time in my relationship with my with my dad, um, with my biological dad. We just we just struggled a lot after my teens and my my twenties, and and we didn't get along. We didn't see eye to eye. We fought a lot, and at one point we didn't talk for over a year. And I finally felt one day after my conversion, I just felt it was time to release it all to the Lord. And I prayed a lot about it. And Ephesians six twelve says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The enemy is hard at work to keep people apart. He wants a wedge in between you. There's nothing more than there's nothing that the enemy wants more than to keep your family apart. And the Bible says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against the rulers and authorities and cosmic powers in this universe. 
most every problem in a relationship, you know, the enemy wants to keep you guys apart. The enemy wants to plant doubts and lies in your mind about that person. And the enemy loves it when you don't talk to your mom or your dad for two years. The enemy loves it. So I I just decided, you know, one day I wasn't going to let the enemy have a foothold of that part of my life anymore. I wasn't going to let my pride stand in the way of a relationship. I wasn't going to let anger and bitterness just sit in me because it's not good for you. It's not good for your body. And it's, it's, it's keeping you in chains. So like I said, I'm not sure what is going on in your relationship, but at one point I felt led to, I wrote a letter to my dad. I prayed really hard about it. I wrote a long letter. I asked for forgiveness and I extended forgiveness to him. And I sent some pictures of the past year of our lives. And I just said, if you're willing, I'm willing. I know it's going to take time, but I'm willing to try to begin our relationship again and try to try to reconnect. So that might be something that you could do if you don't want to grieve your mom, if you're sad over this. It's hard to swallow your pride. Pride is a big thing, especially if you've been hurt and you feel like, I don't want to forgive them for this. I, they don't deserve forgiveness. We don't deserve forgiveness for what we've done in our lives. And, and by God's grace, we are forgiven. So after knowing what I've been forgiven for, we are called to forgive others. And it takes swallowing your pride sometimes, which is hard. But I'm a firm believer that God can heal any relationship. It takes time and it takes work and it takes, it takes um, repentance from the other side. But God can heal. And there's so much freedom in that. And even if, you know, you decide you're going to write a letter to your mom and even if she doesn't respond or even if you try to pick up the phone and swallow your pride and call her and she doesn't respond in the way that you thought, at least you can know that you tried. And at least you can know, okay, God, I've given it to you. I've tried. I've reached out. And continue to pray. Continue to pray for your heart to be softened and continue to pray for her heart to be softened because God can work miracles. God can change any heart at any time, and God can heal this relationship if it's what you want. So I would encourage you not to grieve the loss of your mom because she's here, and we only have today. And so if anybody is listening who has a bad relationship with their mother or son or father or brother or sister-in-law or whoever, don't allow the enemy to, to keep you stuck. Don't allow the enemy to have that part of your life. There is so much freedom in releasing that and asking for forgiveness and, and saying, you can't have this, Satan. I'm giving this to the Lord. And then just slowly take steps to heal that relationship, to work on your bond again, because it will take time. But I pray that you can do that. And I pray that somebody out there picks up the phone today and asks for forgiveness. And I pray that somebody on the other end accepts it. And then you guys can rebuild your relationship because this life is so short. And God has given you your mother, or your father, or your son, or your daughter for, for a reason and placed you in the specific family. And no family is perfect, and we're going to go through lots of hard things. But don't allow the enemy to separate you with people in your life. I think, I think anybody can be forgiven. And like I said, even if it doesn't work out that you, you do rebuild that relationship, you can have a peace about it knowing, okay, I've given it to God. And I'm still going to pray for their heart. I'm still going to pray for them as I move forward. Next question says, how has it been without River? Truthfully, 
I like to think that I've been really truthful and transparent and honest about the last four years of our lives, sharing it with, with all of you guys on social media and on our, on Arise and on the Smiths. And, um, I've really tried to be transparent through my grief and, and share the really, really hard things and then share the hope that we have in Jesus. And I was, as I was writing this Arise out, we just received the first hardcover, hardcover copy of Granger's book, Like a River, which tells our story of our loss and his journey, um, his perspective through it. And we were all looking at the book because it's the first color copy that we got. And there's a little section of photos on the inside, uh, just different photos of the family and stuff. And Lincoln, Lincoln was reading each of the captions on each one. And he just stopped and Lincoln got really sad and started crying pretty hard and just kind of put his little face in my neck and cried pretty hard. And Lincoln is, um, he tends to hold things in and he's really only cried hard two times in the last four years that I, he's, you know, occasionally had tears, but like really cried hard. And, And yesterday he cried pretty hard and he hasn't done that in a long time. And that's what grief is like. Very unexpected waves of emotions. You know, five minutes before he was laughing and playing and having so much fun. And then he was just a mess. And he was so sad. And, and everyone grieves differently. And everyone grieves at different times. And things catch you off guard. And that's how grief is. Is You know, in the, the very first year, 2019, was one of the worst years of my entire life. And it was extremely messy. And it was extremely sad. And extremely painful, not only mentally, emotionally, spiritually, but physically, you know, your body feels the weight, the the weight of grief. And that was really, really painful. As you can imagine, losing a child who is such a big part of your family. It was awful. It was awful. So to answer, how has it been without River truthfully? Messy? painful, hard, um, but also on the other end by God's grace, hopeful and transformative. I think, I think 2019 was the most transformative year of my life. And ever since then, God has been transforming our family, transforming our hearts. He used that suffering to bring us to his feet it brought about our salvation. It brought about this arise. It brought about Granger's book, which will hopefully be able to encourage someone else walking through suffering. God has just flipped our family upside down for his glory. And it's truly been incredible. It's, it's, it's truly made me realize that we cannot rely on our own strength, that God is in control and that God is sovereign and that God is so good, even and especially in our suffering. And there are still waves of sadness. There are still times that I cry. There are, but, but, but by his grace, those times of tears get further and further apart. The first year I cried every single day for an entire year. The second year, it might be every other day. 
you know, and then it slowly, it'll be a week and you'll realize, oh my gosh, I haven't cried in a week. And then you'll feel bad. You'll feel like, well, why haven't you cried? But that's by God's healing grace. He gives you joy. We're not meant to stay stuck in that place. We are called to arise. We are called to keep going. We're called to endure. We're called to persevere. We are called to bring him glory out of every single thing that he has handed us or trusted us to walk through. So I think I just went all over the place with that question, but it's something that we will continue to walk through until God calls us home. And there are moments that will hit us like it did with Lincoln 20 years from now because River's a part of us and he always will be. And I will miss him until the day that God calls me home. But I will... But we are stronger as a family for having gone through this because adversity and suffering makes you appreciate the good and it makes the joyful moments so much more. And yes, losing River was one of the hardest things that we've ever had to go through, but it has also made us more alive in Christ. So truthfully, it's been such a a beautiful, heartbreaking hopeful, sad, joyful journey, which is what I'm sure and I pray that all of you, if you are going through through suffering or pain, that you see, that you see God's hand in it and that you see the hope that we have in Jesus and that you realize that the things and the people of this world are passing away and that this is not our only home, that we are called to draw near to the feet of Jesus and to, to run with endurance the race that is set before us and to suffer well and to, to finish and to get to glory, giving God glory all along the way. I don't know. I felt like I was all over the place with that. But our loss changed us. It changed who we were as people, but God saved us through it. So like I said, I like to think that, I w- that I've been pretty transparent through my grief. You can go back and watch old Arise episodes and, and watch the transformation as it happened. Watch me walk through the early stages and, and, and then find us here now. And I can only pray that I can give some glimmer of hope to somebody who is suffering or somebody that will be suffering because we're all going to suffer. Jesus tells us we're all going to suffer. We live in a fallen world, but I hope that I can point you to the, to the one who is the healer, the one who is the light, the one who is our living hope. So that brings me to the next question. It says, you're such an inspiration to many who inspires you. first want to say thank you for saying that, that I'm an inspiration. I'm, I'm glad that something that I can say can inspire somebody else or give some sort of encouragement or hope because that's what we're called to do. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Hebrews 3.13 says, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. We are called to encourage one another. We are called to inspire one another. We are called to comfort one another in the way that God has comforted us. And I had so many people comfort and encourage and inspire me that, That's just what I hope that I can do for others. So I appreciate you saying that. 
Um, people who inspire me are people who live their faith honestly and boldly, are people who walk through adversity and suffering with a living hope. They are people who praise God even through the pain. Those people inspire me. And I saw so many people do that through their own pain and suffering. I follow so many people that are doing that right now. And that inspires me. I have so many strong women and and men and brothers and sisters in my life who I'm so grateful for their encouragement and for their discipleship and for their friendship. And many of the men and women of the Bible encourage and inspire me daily. My husband inspires me. My kids inspire me. And I was looking up the, the definition of inspire because I was thinking, honestly, I'm just inspired by God. I'm inspired by Jesus every day. I'm inspired by his word every day. And I looked up and inspire means to excite, encourage, or breathe life into. Inspire comes from the Latin word, which means inflame or blow into. And how can you not see God? God breathed and spoke everything into existence. He breathed life into man. He breathed and gives out his Holy Spirit to his sons and daughters. God breathed life into me. And God brought me back to life when I was dead in my sins. So I am inspired. I am excited. I am encouraged by his word daily. So if you had to ask me who inspires me, God and his word inspire me every day. Question says, are we going to get the Amber version of the river story? So Granger, his book releases on August 1st. It's all his, his side of the story. It's all, um, through his rebirth and through us losing river and what he went through and Maverick and our family and what God did that get did through that story through him. And I have been in touch with a publisher, so we will see, I don't know um, what that's going to look like, or I'm praying a lot about it. I'm praying a lot about my side of the story or, or, bringing hope through suffering for other people. So I'm praying about that. I've been in touch with a publisher. So we will see because I'm praying and I'm just going to go where the Lord leads and be obedient to whatever that looks like. So you can pray about that with me too, if you'd like. Last question, and then I will let you guys go. I know this is a long arrive. So if you are still here, God bless you. <laughs> Thank you for sticking with me. Um, I don't want to only pick like one or two questions because I feel like I have so much to say or to answer a question but then I feel like one or two questions isn't enough. So I like to at least do five or six, but then we get into like a 45 minute podcast. Hope you're okay with that. Um, okay. It says with everything you've been through, how do you not feel like God owes you more? This question kind of caught me off guard because how can I think that the creator of the universe, the creator of the stars, the creator that, that spoke everything into existence that holds the world in his hand. How can I think that he owes me anything? God owes me nothing. God owes me nothing. I owe God everything. The fact that I am even was woken up this morning with breath in my lungs is a miracle in itself. The fact that my body is even working, that all the organs and everything are working together, that there is blood pumping through me, that I have breath is a miracle. The fact that my husband and my children are here, that I have a home and and food and water and shelter, all of those things are miracles. And 
I have so many things to be thankful for in this life. I can't think that God could owe me a single thing. One, because I have all of that, but most, the, 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 the greatest gift, the most important thing that God gave me was the gift of his son. He sacrificed his son for you and for me so that we could be forgiven. He took on our sins. Our sins are what nailed him to the cross. And he took the wrath of God that we deserve so that you could be saved, so that you could be made in right relationship with God because we couldn't do it. As humans, we, could, we couldn't do everything that was required of us, but Jesus could, and Jesus did, and Jesus took it all. So how could I think that God owes me anything else? God has already saved me from, from the wrath of God. He has saved me from hell. God owes me nothing. I owe God everything. I, I, I should be and want to be and hope to be living my life in full surrender, in full trust, in full obedience, in full worship, in full gratitude for everything that he has already given me that I don't deserve. I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. We deserve nothing. And by his grace, we are given life. By his grace, we are given forgiveness. By his grace, we are given eternity with him that we don't deserve. So yes, I have faced some really hard things in this life. But it's nothing compared to what Jesus went through. Nothing. And any hell that I experience on this fallen earth is nothing compared to the hell that I would experience without Jesus in my life. There are so many out there who are currently walking through or who have walked through much worse things than I ever could. Yes, the loss of a child is devastating. It is one of the worst things that you could possibly go through. But I know that people out there still have it worse. People out there still have it worse off than I do. And people all around the world are praying for things that you and I have right now that we take for granted, that we take for granted every day. In God, we have everything, everything that we could ever need. And if, and if he is all I had, if everything else was ripped away from me, he's enough. And I hope I can live my life trusting in that and knowing that. Psalm 73, 25 and 26 says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Psalm 63, 3 says, Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. And lastly, Philippians 3, 8 and 9. This is Paul, and he knew suffering. He knew suffering. But he says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. We need to treasure Christ above everything else in this world, above everyone in this world, because this life is a vapor and the people and the things of this world are fading away. They're, they're, they're dying. This life, this life is so short and we have eternity with our Savior 
if we repent and believe and trust in him and surrender our life to Christ. Otherwise, you have eternity without him. And that is a real truth. And that is a scary, scary truth. But you are either with him or you are against him. We have to take the focus off of ourselves and off of our comfort and off of all of our little needs and wants and turn our eyes upward and outward because he is our portion forever. And yes, this, this life is hard. This life is, is tragic in many ways and we will suffer. Jesus tells us this. And sometimes, you know, we can feel like, God, how much more? How much more can one person take? I can't take anymore. I feel like it's bad thing after bad thing or, or, or loss after loss or death after death or sickness after sickness. But that's when we lean in the most. And it's, it's in that weakness. It's in that realization that we can't do it alone where his power is made perfect. Second Corinthians 12, 9 is, he says, but my grace is sufficient. My power is made perfect in weakness. Seek him, surrender and trust and know that he has a plan and a purpose for your life and know that he owes you nothing. But by his grace and his love for you, he gave you everything. He gave you everything. I love you guys. I appreciate you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Seek him. Seek him every day. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. You are chosen. I appreciate you guys watching. If you guys have any questions, send them to me. You can find me on Instagram at Amber Emily Smith, or you can send them to my Gmail account, arisewithamber at gmail.com. The website is arisewithamber.com if you want to go there and find merch or um, hit that sale that I'm having today. And you can also see where I'm speaking at coming up soon. You can also request if you would like me to come join you at a women's group or women's conference or ladies brunch or anything at your church that you're having. I always enjoy coming out and seeing you guys and sharing the love of God with you and the goodness that we have in him and the hope and the light and the joy that we have in him that is to come. I'll see you next week. Have a great week. Bye.